Hello. It's Nia and Trent from the Trident Network's Tournament Podcast. We just wanted to pop in and tell you about the Tourney Pod, where each week we pit different pieces of pop culture against each other in a March Madness-style tournament. We try to cover everything, from movies to TV shows to music to random stuff, like our hotly contested best pasta shape bracket. You can listen to the Tournament Podcast and all other Trident Network shows wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you'll become an attorney at Pod soon enough, and remember, may, may the, the thing with, with the, the most votes win. Hello, welcome back to Disney Adult, the podcast where Chicago comedians review Disney properties from the perspective of adults. We're in season two, baba, um, and we were picked up because <laughs> I picked us up because I do this. Um, yes, so technically this is season two of Disney Adult. We wanted to do a season approach because, uh, well, for a few reasons. One, it allows us to switch up the content a little bit. Uh, if we we're going to do a chronological order or bounce around to different random movies, y'all don't know you know what you're gonna get we don't sort of know what the, the and honestly it's a little more cohesive to group them in smaller sets the second reason to do a season approach is that it allows us to re-examine and even change up our format a little bit if we wanted to um reflect on what went well you know things we might want to tweak and that's a lot easier to do when you're tackling these as seasons and last but not least i will eventually want to take a small break from this um to work on other projects and that's easier when you plan produce and record disney adult as seasons because then it allows me to bank some stuff for the future so that i could work on something new or bring you guys something new um that'll be a lot more fun or a little more creative i should say uh for instance we have a ton 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 of episodes prepared for the rest of the year but shh, i'm not gonna tell you what they are uh, and we're very very excited this season we are discussing Pixar. This season we'll be reviewing Toy Story through Cars, I believe, or maybe through Wally. Let me double check. But no, through Wally. Yes. So Toy Story through Wally. Um and for our season premiere, we're diving deep into the original, the OG, as the kids would say, Toy Story. The one that started it all. I am joined by sisters Hannah and Hope Rehack. Hannah is an improviser and comedian in Chicago, while Hope is a stand-up comedian here in Chicago. Uh, that's right, improvisers and stand-ups coming together for the noble cause of discussing children's movies. So without further ado, here we Thank you both. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Hope, for being here today. We're discussing um, Toy Story, uh, which came out in 1995. It was a big deal for me. This was the first movie th that I ever saw in theaters um, as a kid. It was the first one. Um, do we? How did you guys feel? Did you watch it as kids? Do you have memories of this? Or did this completely miss your childhood? Mm, hope you take it. <laughs> oh, I mean, for... Wait, can you... Oh, no, you can't hear me. Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay, great. I was worried for a second. Um, I'm. Well, I was just thinking. I didn't know what year it was. It came out, but I remember seeing it in theaters. I'm born '89, so like I definitely was the target demographic when this movie came out because I okay. would have been like five. I definitely remember it. Um, and I remember it really affecting both Hannah and I as far as worrying about giving away our toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. We for sure thought it was like definitely real life. So oh, I'm I still percent. do. I still do. Yeah. I, I have Guppy. I have my my stuffed bear with me right now. Sleep we, with him every night. Still, I'm 28 years old. <laughs> We, I just want to be clear. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. I set so many traps as a kid to catch them being alive. Yeah. And every time, every no matter what, every single time I was like, oh, I, I wasn't quick enough. It was it was never even an option that it wasn't real. Yeah. One thing, yeah. One thing I remember happening was that like I we both thought it, but because Hannah was younger, I was like, oh, she thinks it more than me. And I remember my mom, at least. I don't know if Hannah remembers this. I remember my mom being like, Toy Story didn't invent that idea when I was little. I thought my toys were real too. Interesting. Really? But yeah. Did she, but did she think they that they were like sentient and came to life when she wasn't <laughs> in the room? Because that's the real takeaway. Is that like they're having a full life without me as well. I think it's a chicken and egg issue because I think that what I remember is her telling me that she absolutely thought that and that 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 is like a common young person illusion. And yeah. so then in that case, it's like, okay, well, did they did the did the Pixar executives bequeath that uh, mental illness onto a generation of children, or was it, <laughs> or was it just something that we were all going to think anyway that they kind 100%. of you know did a movie about? And now there's like a soundtrack that accompanies those feelings. And that's so much harder because I, as a baby, was very moved by music, still am, but like, Mm -hmm. just like cried a lot at Toy Story. I do remember seeing it. And like, I've I've only ever watched it maybe twice in my life when I watched it the first time and it was formative and painful and traumatic. And then when you asked us to be on the show. (laughs) Wonderful. And I wish, I wish that was a, um, uh, I wish that was not a common thread on this podcast, but I feel like every time I have somebody come on to talk about a movie, they say, oh yeah, this movie traumatized me as a child. <laughs> Literally, Yasmin Ramos was like, oh, because I had her on for the Lion King episode. Yeah. And, she was like, and she was like, well, this was very traumatic for me because my dad also left us. So I felt too, I felt these feelings too much uh, with Simba. And I was like, what? You could have said no to the book. Uh, and also I'm like, what's wrong with me that I have some superpower to like make people relive a tra- traumatic experience? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's, it's just that like these children's movies are like so brutal. Like, I just think that they really are. just really were really are. Yeah. Lion King. I could not. Yeah. Also couldn't watch, but uh, with Toy Story eight, Two, not the movie we're, we were talking about, but with the sequel, like I didn't leave the theater for like 30 minutes after um, because I was weeping. Like yeah. it was, it was like embarrassing. And I'm a very like, I, as a kid, I was a very socially conscious kid <laughs> and like would have been mortified in any other situation. And that one was, I was just like, no, I just have to weep in this theater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and they really do. I mean, there's a level of honesty and truth in, I would say in Pixar, especially somebody who's been watching the Disney movies. Well, the Disney movies are great. I think when they, the new creative direction of Pixar when they brought them in was like, these stories were truly kind of like adult stories told through the perspective of children. Yeah. Um, Whereas opposed to there's a lot more cliche or a lot more um, sort of fairy tale tropey things that happen in the regular Disney animation until they start, you know, fucking with Pixar. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So let us jump right into the plot and get through the plot really quick. Um, we open up on, we meet all the toys at once. So we meet them all in Andy's bedroom. And it becomes very clear that um, we have, our first main character is going to be Sheriff Woody, who is kind of like the, I guess the the bedroom mayor. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else yeah. to call him other than like people look up to him. <laughs> bedroom uh, we, mayor. Yeah, He's like, the alderman. He's the alderman of Andy's. <laughs> the alderman of Andy's. And people, people come to him in a way that I also think this informed a little bit of how I, I looked at like political leadership a little bit because I was so young that I was just like, oh yeah, that's who you go to for everything. 
they always go to one person and then he decides and then every, that's what we're all doing now. Um, <laughs> but we get to meet a lot of characters here. Um, do, was there any characters here that you, I'd, if, uh, given the cast, who do you yeah. identify with most of all these toys? <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked. I was honestly shocked. What I remembered as a child was that like Bo Peep was really sexy and I didn't look it up, but is she voiced by Jennifer Tilly? Is that Let's who's see. voicing her? I, I should have looked it up, but I didn't. Cause it, she has like a very like porn star voice. Yeah. She's definitely, yeah. She's the um, only voice I really not like remembered. I mean, that was the voice I was like, Oh, right. This, I was invested in this relationship as a, as a baby. <laughs> I think I was right. Like, like oh, you wow. want, what do you, <laughs> you want to what get, do you get it? it and to get it with Bo Peep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the dinosaur well. makes me really sad. That's what I'll say. Not, not, I don't resonate with the dinosaur, but he just like makes me deeply. Yeah. It just makes Uncomfortable. me uncomfortable. Really <laughs> yeah. Um, he just, he's just like so depressed and anxious. It like was hard. It's like hard for me to watch. <laughs> I wrote down, uh, well, wow. maybe I'll find it later, but, um, Oh, there was a moment later in the film where they realized that they were wrong about Woody like way, yeah. way later. And yeah. his line is literally like, great, now, now I, I have guilt. guilt. Yeah, I have guilt. It's I have guilt. I have it's, it now. It's been I have guilt now. It's so yeah. sad. Which I, is interesting of like, is that how they acquire emotions? Like they they, they have them. Now, like now I have guilt. Now like I have now, guilt. I, now I have it. They have like a... Um, uh, what are those things called? A clipboard that they check off and they're, yeah. or like badges that they wear on their, like a Boy Scout. Um, they're very sad. I'm sorry. Of all the, no, of all the, <laughs> of all the characters there, I identify a lot with um, Ham, the pig. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit of a curmudgeon, but also <laughs> um, kind of go along to get along. Um, that's really then, funny. And that's, oh, go ahead, go ahead, please. Oh, I just, it hit me this time watching it. Cause also like Hannah, I'd watched it maybe once or twice as a kid, but not until adulthood. And this time I recognized Ham's voice as the guy from Cheers. Oh, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah it was bizarre. Yeah. Sorry. And, Sorry. So yeah. funny. and Rex is also another, some Rex, sort of famous yeah. voice. Cause I saw him, yes. we heard him in a goofy movie before this. And I was like, that's the dinosaur from Toy Story. <laughs> Which, a lot of these people are like in their own like actors of their own right that have like a history and a career but depending on what child movie that they were in will define a whole generation as like oh he's only ever the Did dinosaur that. from toy story yeah um, so the first yeah, it's wallace sean <laughs> it's the... wallace sean i'm sorry i think it's crazy it's wallace sean who's wallace sean wallace sean is a playwright primarily and he would want you to know that he's a playwright and he's the son of like the former editor-in-chief of the new yorker but then you would also know him from like the Princess Bride and um, oh. Clueless Hand. Yeah, you were the oh. one. Who's... I you, said yeah, it was you t- his voice. Oh, but I didn't. You know told me. Was. I know he was a yeah. playwright. I think of him as the t- teacher in Clueless. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like a he's like a very self serious playwright. That's really it's funny. Fun. It's Sorry. wonderful that he has this one very serious artistic aspect of his career, and then just a slew of sideline crazy roles that he will actually be remembered for. Like so very important, like yeah. <laughs> Princess Bride, Clueless, and Toy Story. Like that's the big three. <laughs> yeah, right. One hundred percent. So then, after we meet Woody, we get. Uh, our first conflict, which is essentially it's Andy's birthday, and they're really nervous about the toys that they're going to bring in because they're very nervous about getting replaced. Um, or that another toy is going to come along. Which one begs the question that there must be other discarded toys that they've seen this happen to before. Um, but Woody is very much calm, cool, and collected as the sheriff of the room. And is it's like, we have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to worry about until they bring in Buzz Lightyear. And he's immediately tossed 
aside, like history is <laughs> trash, like could not care less, is thrown into a corner of the room um, and then starts feeling really insecure about his place in this uh, bedroom. <laughs> um, so dark. But it's if it's a lot of so compl- it's a lot of deep emotion, like a lot of deep, um, yeah. Like on one place, I feel really bad for Woody because I feel like this whole time everybody has looked up to him and have has just put in all their faith. And the minute something new comes along, they're like, "Oh, fuck you, old news. We we got this spaceman here now who is zero loyalty. It's not zero- a story about loyalty. <laughs> no, it's no. not a story about loyalty. <laughs> and it's also not a story about people who can like identify a detachment from reality because he is, <laughs> he thinks he's a spaceman. And Woody's the only person saying like, "You're actually not. Though. <laughs> We're in a bedroom, and you're not. <laughs> and it's hard to hear because you really believe it." <laughs> And while everybody thinks yeah. I'm an asshole for saying it, it's also like I'm the only person who's like trying to ground you here. Everybody's like, maybe he could fly. <laughs> it didn't hit me. I didn't remember that from childhood. Not that I would. I just remember the themes of loss and replacement. But yeah, like that. That it's like it is an existential question of like who who are you? And it is yeah. so funny that there isn't consensus. Like it's not like Mr. Potato's <laughs> like potato head isn't like I'm actually a potato. Like he knows. He's so, like, <laughs> <laughs> and yet it doesn't translate to the new right they're just like no. oh, okay he is who he is yeah we're toys it, but he's different yeah he's weird. the only one different and then and literally everybody <laughs> just falls in line and never brings it up <laughs> they're all instead just like oh wow cool you light up <laughs> see i okay i have to say i i did interpret that i know we have to get through the plot i did it interpret that slightly differently? I thought that they were just so bored because they're all just trapped in this room with one kid all the time. Yeah. I actually thought the toys, they're not necessarily buying into Buzz Lightyear being Buzz Lightyear, who's like a fair, it's, you know, clearly yeah. like Buzz Aldrin and, you know, like a bunch mm-hmm. of other real astronauts. I didn't think that. I thought they were all just like genuinely impressed at what a new toy he was because they were like, ooh, lights. Like he, he has yeah. buttons. You would just have a stupid like pull guess, string, yeah. Woody. Like, yeah, I don't exactly. think they're, I don't think they buy in. I actually think they're self-aware as well, but I think that they're still like impressed with the newness of the toy. Exactly. We're but also angry. unbothered by delusion. Yeah. So He's there's that. Like, He's like, I'm on an alien planet. And they're like, cool, 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 cool. Can I see your shoes? <laughs> um, so Definitely. He, Woody feels very threatened almost immediately. Um, and, and the more Buzz hangs around, the more threatened he becomes. The more Buzz is showing them new things and, and helping them become better people, he really starts to feel threatened and really starts to feel like um, my hold and power in this place is quickly and as an adult watching it, I'm like, this is a little also about power. It's like the power he has over these people because now he's just kind of like one of the other individuals, which I think is what makes him a little unlikable or a little mm-hmm. complex as a character. Is that like now that he's just like one of everybody else, what he is has been fine for everybody else in the room. Now he's like, I'm going to throw this toy out of a window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go yeah. straight to murder. <laughs> <laughs> um and so he throw and the details of this I'm gonna have to look up because I think I glazed over when I rewatched it, but I can't remember exactly. I know it has something to do with the to- the toy car. Um, a day before he's out, he's Woody tries to use the radio controlled RC car to knock Buzz behind the desk. That's it. He doesn't yeah. want to. Yeah, he wants murder him. He wants to hide him. Which is it, arguably like worse. Like it's like for a toy, the word, the biggest nightmare is not death, but being like left behind. Forgotten. Yeah, and, forgotten. Yeah. Tragic. Wow, hand. 
Um, <laughs> but he throws him out of the window. Uh, the other toys believe that Woody desperately tried to kill Buzz, but Andy arrives and takes Woody to Pizza Planet before they can enact retribution. A vengeful Buzz stows away in the car and confronts Woody. When the car stops at a gas station, the two fight, fall out of the car, and then are left behind at this gas station. Um, they... <laughs> You were going to be like, have you, either of you ever been left at a gas station? Have either of you ever been left at a gas station (laughs) due to a fight in a car? Um, There is, oh, but we also in this time meet, um, we meet Sid. Sid Sid needs to be on every watch list that exists. He needs to be on Interpol. He needs to be on like the class allergy watch list. Deeply scary. This man is terrifying. Also, the people are animated. I know it's due to the time. <laughs> they look gross. <laughs> it's so weird. Hope and I were talking about this when we were watching it. Um, I, like, I was like, this animation is like really incredible. Like, it holds yeah. up in its own right. Like, it's so beautiful. And Hope was like, yeah, just give it five minutes when we meet the children. <laughs> and it's like totally alarming. And like, they, it's like they forgot. It's like at the end, they were like, oh, shoot, we have one more month. We got to put the faces of the humans in now. Yeah. And then they just, you know, and when, later in the movie, when we meet Sid's sister, because they're already in a place that's kind of has you scared for them, I, I don't think that over time people will be able to tell if she's a good character or a bad character because her <laughs> animation is so heinous, so alarming. Um, like at least with Andy and the mom, you're like, okay, they're introduced as good people and they love these toys, so I can accept that they're good. They have but bright she, blue eyes. Yeah, she <laughs> finds them and is like. Uh, I'm like, is that a good huh or a bad huh? Uh, um, they stow away on the um, they stow away on the Pizza Planet mobile, and they go to Pizza Planet. How did we remembering as a kid, Pizza Planet was like a big scene, it was like a big deal. How did we feel rewatching it and reexamining? So short. I couldn't believe how short it was. I couldn't believe how short the whole movie was. I was like, we were in Pizza Planet for like two years. No, it's like three minutes. It's It's literally, if you you skip forward to like try to find something, you will completely miss it. And indeed I did. Those little alien dolls also were like so formative and so like famous or iconic to the film. And they're there. It's about, like you said, it's about two minutes. Literally. And they have three lines and they're just like, alien religious zealots that live in a... he calls he calls them zealots i love that he calls them <laughs> the claw, yeah, the I, claw. Loved it. I loved it the yeah. thing that i remembered was this make that scene making my parents laugh because yeah. i remember as a kid and I don't, yeah i don't know how hannah feels but like what like what parents laugh at is different than what children laugh at and i just remember being like this movie is so sophisticated because it made my parents laugh yeah. and they have pretty high standards yeah. and i just remember that scene <laughs> that scene in particular with like the claw and those feelings Ooh. like busting my parents up yeah. like busting them up they'll still so do like, that this is they'll class. still say that yeah they'll they do like, it the yeah they'll quote it my i i also remember that this and this and lion king were the two parents that like or the two movies i got parental approval from where my parents left thinking that's a great movie um (laughs) also i still remember it cracked me up then and it cracks me up now where wood and buzz buzz and woody pretend to be that big mac container in the um, yeah that is so funny to me. I don't know why. <laughs> it's the most basic. It was just fun. It, I think because I was a kid, I was like, I recognize what those are. And they're pretending. How fun. How um, fun. Yeah. Then, oh, so then this is where um, Andy starts to realize he's like losing toys. 
And this was one of the questions that I had where I was like thinking of this from the mom's perspective because the mom is one of my favorite characters in this franchise. Um, also, I should mention this. I do think this whole Toy Story holds up to be one of the greatest movie franchises, regardless mm-hmm. of. I, I'm a really big. I watch a lot of these Disney movies for this podcast, but this is one where I'm like, I would I would fight for this to be recognized as one of our, the greatest movie franchises. Yeah. Um, but when I'm thinking about it from her perspective, her son keeps losing these toys, and is um, keeps losing these toys, which they it's not his fault, but from her perspective, he's just a kid losing his toys who's going through a major change in his life. They're about to move. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a kid. Would you believe them when they're coming to you saying, like, my toys are disappearing? Like, from yeah. her perspective, yeah, I couldn't <laughs> help but think, like, I would be like, we're moving. I don't care how many toys are not here right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like when I watch horror movies and the kids are seeing something that is actually there, but the parents don't believe them. I, I would, <laughs> given the same circumstances, I would also not believe you. <laughs> I'm so, that. And that's you mean fair. like given it's real life and not a horror film? <laughs> <it's> <laughs> <real> <laughs> exactly. I know. Does that make me a bad parent? Maybe that makes me a bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to believe that your toys are real and that you're getting haunted by ghosts. Yeah. I probably would. I would probably try. I don't know because in some way, our parents indulging my, or I should say, my mother indulging my belief that I, that that stuffed animals are real. It's like a deeply kind and empathetic thing, but it also does mean that I'm again 28 sleeping with my doll, and like, and that I still have them and I haven't given them away. So I think there is some like maybe boundary creation that I gratefully lacked from our family, our parents. They like indulge those things, mm-hmm. but also I don't know how to say it differently. I'm also 28 sleeping with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how else to say it. So like in some ways, maybe maybe if I had children and they were like saying their animals were or their stuffed animals were real, I'd be like, okay, one day yeah. you're gonna want to have sex with somebody, and you're not gonna want shelves and shelves of animals looking at. <laughs> And so we're well, just going to accept both, both things are true. <laughs> well, and I have to say, and I don't want to defend, I don't want to feel like we're in a, I'm in a position to defend our parents, but I will say that I gave up sleeping with stuffed animals in college, Hannah, and we were in the same house. So, so I do think that some of that is just like differences in personalities. And <laughs> it's just actually a flaw. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's a flaw because I'm, a, you know, like I also am a hoarder. So like I am a hoarder, like I have those, I have them yeah. somewhere. But I don't yeah. put them in my bed anymore, and I don't think they're real. And that, and you I don't do think they're think real. That, you don't think they're real anymore? I, no. Oh my God, I'm so talk- sorry. We didn't talk about this at the top. I still will, like, <laughs> I'll be like, in my head, I'll be like, as- <laughs> You're in the sh- you're in the shower and you turn the water off real quick to listen. Like just to, I do not do that anymore. No, I okay. haven't done that. In wow, can we actually start years. recording again? Can we? Because we got these. Let's you know start from the top. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. I really, wow. I, oh, so many. I really felt for her because I really felt like if if you're really analyzing this, if you're like really treating it super super serious, this kid keeps saying, "I'm missing these toys that mean so much to me." When he's yeah, going through this major life change, from the mother's perspective, I would be like, "This is a, a coping mechanism. This is <laughs> a lot of change for this young child. The toys are not missing. They're somewhere around here." And honestly, maybe it is a metaphor. I mean, not that we're getting to mm-hmm. this, but it will get to those later. But it is like that's what happens when your life is thrown in chaos. You lose things. You mm-hmm. when you feel ungrounded, detached, all those things. So I think it is 
it is a nice little yeah. parallel structure. And I think it would be, it's a good parallel as well, because I also think kids would make up stuff because they didn't, um, they just like, don't have the tools yet to let go or it's, it's, it's whatever. And they'll do whatever. Like whenever my parents would pick me up from like babysitting or being at a friend's house, I would immediately be like, oh, I'm sick. I can't go into the car to go home right now. I'm like a, 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 like like an 1800. Like, I have the vipers. I, I just absolutely cannot. They're like, Devin, get in the car. Devin, get in the car. <laughs> Passing out the whole way. All my, all my limbs turned to jelly. Your friend's parents are like, please, please take him. Please, he, it's been enough. Um, uh, so then Sid finds these two. Sid gets a hold of both Woody and Buzz takes them back to his workshop it's so horrible <laughs> it's, it's so, so awful heinous immediately mm-hmm. and he's so violent he's so there's something wrong with this kid and then <laughs> they're also introduced to all of his toys which are uh, um while, <laughs> while we do find out that they are wonderful toys later at first glance, it is a freak show in there. <laughs> it is two long legs on like a mini crane. <laughs> like, it's yeah. a scary place to be. Um, Very scary. Uh, w- they go through a couple trial and tribulations, but the major one that I took away was, um, bu- and I wrote something down about this, but essentially Buzz gets to a breaking point where he sees... <laughs> He sees something that confirms everybody else's reality other than his own. (laughs) And what in um, what many would see in this movie as a a last ditch effort to prove himself, I see as a cry for help. (laughs) He jumps from the second story. To try to fly, Devin. Try to fly. After he just learned that he cannot. Let's be really clear. He didn't try that and then see the commercial. He saw the commercial that was like, you can't fly. And then he flew himself. He said, I will show you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a cry for help. There's a lot about depression and suicide. I mean, there's like, it is a major, (laughs) it is a major theme. It is so... Yeah. So this was yeah. the question I wrote down, inspired by this. So I'd love both of your opinions. So when you, have you ever, when you <laughs> have you ever, um, after Just... after being chased into, I guess their absentee father's bedroom. Yeah, yeah there's beer cans. Li- there's beer to... cans, and he's only lit by the television screen, which lets yeah. you know something's up. Yeah, that's he's like not television one hundred one. Yeah, that's right. television one hundred one. If they're only lit by a square box TV yeah. screen, yeah. Um, if it's a that's why I never have that lighting for what it's worth. I never <laughs> am in a room with just a TV on. No I have a lamp how... on it because it's too sad. It's too dark. <laughs> <laughs> too uh, requiem for a dream. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the, the question I had was, wh- at what point when a friend is refusing to believe something, like mm. when do you step in? When do you, do you just like let them ride it out? I don't know, Hope. When do you step in with me <laughs> right now? <laughs> No, that's a really that's a really good question. I I'm not say, doing well. 
I'm kidding. I'm fine. This is going to come out six months later and I'll be fucking good. Honestly, <laughs> though, honestly, I would love to believe that every time Toy Story, almost like an omen sent from the universe, every time you watch Toy Story is when you're at your lowest. <laughs> <laughs> so that like when you see it on, you know something is coming. You know that there's something around the corner. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get hit by a car. <laughs> I'm get something sh- dark. <laughs> I'm going to get struck by lightning trying to steal underwear or something. <laughs> well, I will, I will say, Hannah, I don't think that you're out of touch with reality right now. Okay, great. However, whatever else is going on. And I and I will say also that I had this conversation with a friend at La Colombe literally two hours ago um, about a, a friend of hers who was delusional. And we were talking about how friendship requires vulnerability. And so it's not always your friend's job to break you out of an illusion. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't actually think that, but she was yeah. saying that a friend of hers who's not doing well, keeps telling her she's doing well. And I said to her, well, it sounds like she's using your friendship as like an audience. Like she wants to perform being okay. And she wants you to be an audience to that, which is not what oh, friendship wow. is. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like, that's kind of, to me, that's sort of the difference. Cause I think I'm, I think I'm kind of an exceptional friend and I think Hannah is too. Yeah. And I think to but we're different point, friends. We're really different friends. We, we are different. We are like different to our friends. Yes. But I would yeah. say generally, like I let friends be their crazy selves unless they're being actively harmful to themselves or someone mm-hmm. else. And I, and I try they, to keep my friends in line to a fault. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I and I do think, yeah, no, go ahead. No, continue, please. Oh, I just, I was thinking about that with Buzz and Woody because I actually think it requires a level of delusion to like do things and I do think that's what the ending is about when like Mm -hmm. you know when Buzz flies at the end or whatever it still choked me up because you do sort of need your friends to hype you up at your lowest I mean that is actually part of friendship and after listening to everything you just said I also think like sometimes we have different types of friends and in that Mm. room in Andy's house he very well could have a different type of friend you could have the friend that you go to that will say you look crazy. This is delusional. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then you have the friends who are like, no matter what, I'm here to not make you feel guilt about the things you already know or are you're struggling mm. with or whatever. And then I think mm-hmm. we are also, I mean, I can speak for myself. I think I'm that, I think I'm a different friend for different people based on how our relationships oh, yeah. have naturally evolved. I have friends who, they come to me mm-hmm. when they, they know what they're doing is wrong, but they can come to me and we can either laugh or joke about it to make them feel less guilt so that they can then go on to make a better decision. But it's not about me. Or you can help carry the body. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> and then there, there are other friends who are like thinking about something that to... <laughs> maybe I'm being too real with. Like my friend is like, <laughs> I think I might go back to school for, to study philosophy. And I said, under no circumstances are we going to go back to school <laughs> to study philosophy. We're going to think at home. Where we think. <laughs> Okay. We're going to think right here as we already are. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> and she's so, like, I think I gonna... really want to do it. I was like, okay, then we're going to buy one book and we're going to try it out. We're going to have a trial period. We're going to take an edible and journal for an hour. And that's going to be, and that's going to be that. And that's going to cost you $75,000 less a year. <laughs> exactly. We're going to take a, a day trip out to the rural <laughs> suburbs. And we're, gonna, we're, we're really going <laughs> to philosophize out there and we're going to come right back here to where we belong. Um, <laughs> I think that's a really good point about different kinds of being a different kind of friend for different people and also different types of friends. And, and if we take it back to the film that like Andy is sort of acquiring, like he has his two best friends in the form of his toys mm-hmm. or the cop who's keeping him in line. And then now Buzz, who's like hyping him up as he approaches a million, like percent. an older child. Just and the whole, yeah, that's a phenomenal point. And the whole room gets those same two individuals, mm-hmm. especially as they just like, I guess are automatically the leaders. <laughs> oh yeah. Two oh, people yeah. looking white dudes. They're the leaders. For, forget like automatic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so then there's 
Um, he gets a, Sid gets this rocket. Well, first of all, after he falls down, and, like all his thing, he has a, a real existential crisis where he Woody helps snap him out of it a little bit. Um, but then before they can escape, Sid gets a rocket that he straps Buzz to. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> for sure, for sure. Is, Buzz is truly defeated at this point. He, this mm. is coming at just the wrong time. <laughs> or the right time. <laughs> or. <laughs> or the absolute. Uh, and essentially, Woody ry- or, or rallies the rest of the, like, the, the other toys in the room to mastermind this way that he's going to escape which is essentially just them talking to a person <laughs> i love to believe that in this universe that is the that's the, the nuclear weapon that's a nuclear code is like mm. we're gonna talk and then everybody <laughs> room, all the other toys are like not talking no there has to be something else we can do before we talk um and they escape and they sort of have this huge huge chase scene mm-hmm. where they get back to andy as andy's this is all happening right as andy is moving out um, mm. none of the other toys believe them. They think there was a, one point where Woody gets into the moving van. They push him out. Yeah. Pushes out that car. And someone screams, he's at it again. <laughs> I thought that's how every news, anytime there's a, re- a repeat offender of anything, I want the news to say, he's at it again. <laughs> Wait, there's something that, um, is actually not funny, but just sweet that happens in between, which is when the sad, the sad toys, the sad Frankenstein toys, um, help Buzz Lightyear. They attach his arm, yeah, and that really yeah. made me. That made me emotional more than anything yeah. else. I, a lot of this movie, and I think a lot of. I'm actually going to put this on the quiz. Um, a lot. I think a lot of Pixar movies are people learning empathy. I think yeah. that's really what they boil down to a lot. Because I remember as a kid also being like, "Oh, I walked into this situation calling these." Toys, a freak show. Um, and in reality, they are actually victims of <laughs> heinous <laughs> crimes. <laughs> they've, been, they've been maimed and they're just disabled. And isn't that the lesson? It, is, it really, it is. I mean, it's so yeah. sad. And But, but it led me to a question of like, did they fix themselves? Like I always, I had read it as like he had done that in like a, in like a, he was corrupting, quote unquote corrupting them way. Mm-hmm. But with actually a, a much, I would say, more gracious lens and more like interesting too of these like toys fixing them, quote unquote, fixing themselves or like yeah. being different or different, you know, like having I, different body parts function differently. Yeah. It's kind I, of sweet. I if I'm if I'm writing the the origin story, which they should do this origin story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to. I would believe that one was was put together by Sid. Or, yeah, I, I guess he kind of does have a weird like experimental violence. I mean, let's let's say say it. He's a genius. He is, he's, 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 he's an artist. He's a visionary. <laughs> he's a visionary. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to wonder, like, does he do this to them? Or is this like a system of support and... and uh, because you only see the, like, dis- dismemberment is what we see. Yeah. But then they are hiding. Like, they hide from him. Like, maybe he doesn't know that they've reattached themselves. Oh, it made me very emotional. Yeah. Uh, although, although he gives back. So what I think about... Let me just say, I don't think 
Sid is as psychotic as we're painting him as because he's <laughs> he's not mean to the dog. Like he's not mean to things he thinks are living. I mean, as a it, like with children, it's like it's like his parents are completely unconcerned. And I think there is an assumption that he's very unsupervised, but I yeah. don't think he's like necessarily actually violent. I think he is like a kid who is acting out and like trying to get his parents' attention very clearly with like exploding yeah, yeah. things in the backyard. But he he never hurts his sister and he never hurts the dog, but he does take his sister's toy which I think is the cruelest part when he mm. takes off his sisters because it's yeah. like if it's your toys I don't think that's really like there is no indication that these toys are in pain that's yeah. the thing they don't feel pain like even when Buzz breaks his arm it's not a big deal like no, it's yeah. kind of he's sad but he's not like screaming in pain because that would be a very different it <laughs> would just be a very different movie but he does give his sister's toy back to her with like a raptor head and that's mean but like yeah. the toy yeah. itself is not in pain because it's been <laughs> spliced together Speaking of, I don't think we realize that you reminded me of something incredibly on point with what with my childhood, which was I for my I had this one uncle who would always give if it was my birthday he'd always give my sister a gift and vice versa. And for her birthday one year, she and I was young; I was probably like nine. She was four or in that range. Um, but he gave me a T Rex arm that like mm. you could puppet and mm. then you could press a button inside and it would roar and it would terrify my sister and as an older sibling i was like jackpot i am about to traumatize her and then thinking nothing of it like thinking that little toy bit meant nothing we then went to universal studios when she was a couple years later and we rode one of the jurassic park rides and essentially this jurassic park ride and i'm not spoiling anything if you've ever been on it's been there for like 40 years you can spoil um, the ride I'm gonna spoil the ride Right at the end, it goes over this huge hill, but this giant Jurassic, this giant uh, T-Rex comes out. Oh, no. My poor sister has a full-blown panic attack on the way. She's like all white. They had to bring over first. I mean, everything was fine. But it was like a moment I was sitting there. I was like, I caused this. I did this whole thing. Like all the dots connected in that moment. So mm. I'm just thinking, his poor little sister, I'm like, am so I you're Sid? Sid? You're Sid. <laughs> am I Sid? Okay. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Ad break. Don't want to talk about the weather or the pandemic? Me either. No Wrong Answers, Non-Burning Questions to Kickstart Conversations is a conversation card game where you can ask life's least pressing but most important questions. Why talk about vaccine rates when you could debate questions like which cereal mascot would be the best kisser? Or you own a boutique candle shop. What is your least popular scent? These are the burning questions you should be asking. This card game is created by two of my friends, my personal friends, Paula Skaggs and Josh Linden. Yes, I have friends talented enough to create a card game. And if you love me, you love them and you'll love this game. No Wrong Answers is a deck of 70-plus conversation starters that you'll come back to and debate over and over again. This is great for dinner parties. It's great for Zoom happy hours, first dates, classrooms, prison visits, fast food drive throughs It literally, there's no place that these conversation starters won't work. Holidays are right around the corner somehow. And this would make a great gift. It would make a great thing to put out on the table to, you know, generate conversation between you and your family. You know how hard it is to catch up after you haven't seen each other in the year. What are you going to talk about? The fact that you share blood? No. You're going to reach for one of these cards and you're going to get the conversation started. And 
If it doesn't get better than that, a portion of the proceeds go to the Greater Chicago Food Depository. I mean, come on. Listeners can use the code TRIDENT for 10% off of their purchase. Go to NoWrongAnswersGame.com. Once again, NoWrongAnswersGame.com. And use Trident for 10% off your purchase. I mean, come on, y'all. This is fun talk and <laughs> not small talk. Um, I did just go to a fireworks store the other day. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Not, and that is a cry for help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I went in, side note, when I went in, they took my license and they did all that stuff. And then they were like, um, essentially they're like, you're not going to need any help, are you? And I was like, uh, I guess not. I'll blow up something. <laughs> <laughs> like what? I didn't even buy anything, but I was like, why did you go? So we were in Pennsylvania <laughs> and they have these, we're in my hometown and my hometown is incredibly red. And I'm noticing the more and more I go back, the more and more like I, I disassociate, like I'm not related to the, this culture of this small town anymore. Like half of our mall is a casino now mm. um and then there's these humongous fire store like this yeah. our old toys r us is now a fireworks store where you can go mm. in and buy insane amounts of explosives and i mm. i went in because i was thinking what about this is so popular or fireworks i guess i'm like we people don't light off a lot of fireworks and then i got in i was like oh these are just explosives the same people oh. who love guns love explosives i didn't and know that yeah me neither and sense. i had to go in because i was like this doesn't make sense that there would be so many fireworks stores all of a sudden you're and like do I, you have sparklers and they're like <laughs> no no um so then they essentially they we have the the most the climax of the movie, which is Buzz accepts that he cannot fly. They shoot this rocket, <laughs> and he lifts up the RC car, tosses it in like the moving van. But he realizes he can soar. He has like a compromise moment. He's like, I can't yeah. fly, but I do have a superpower, and that is we're going to use it right now. Uh. And he soars down. I'm crying hysterically. <laughs> um, <laughs> pops into the car. Everything is wonderful, and the movie sort of comes to a close. Mm -hmm. uh, any thoughts on the soaring scene? Because it is pretty iconic. Yeah, it's pretty. I cool. do. I have. I this hit me really hard. My friend Bobby Evers. I don't know why I'm naming him in case he listens, but uh, <laughs> he posted like a web comic on Instagram yesterday that was all about um, uh, accepting your own mediocrity. And I was like a little annoyed by it at first, but then like I'm 32, he's a little older. So I was like, oh, this is just what like artists do in their thirties, like yeah. try to work with <laughs> accepting this. And it was really like, again, like I was resentful, but I was also, I also read the whole thing. And then because I read that yesterday and finished the movie today, I was really in that headspace. And I was like, oh, it's about like, it's about like, clear-eyed assessment of your flaws and your talents that's what that's what the movie is about to me like the constant like you're a toy no I'm a spaceman you yeah. can't fly but I can soar is all about just like accepting what you have at your disposal and what you don't have at your disposal and that's that's what that's about to me it's so insane yeah. to bring that up I have been really struggling with especially after this pandemic I've been really struggling with like as we re-enter back to performing and being artists and all this stuff I keep comparing myself to people who have seen success throughout this pandemic, even though that is not at all what A, I want to do, or B, like what works for me as an artist. But I do think in mm -hmm. this moment, as we 
break it down. It's like, there is a part of accepting like, A, what do I actually want? What am I capable of? What's, mm-hmm. what is fulfilling? That should be the focus as opposed to some goal, some arbitrary, what I mean, because the entire thing you just explained is me every time I put up some TikTok that doesn't do well, I'm like, I will never make it. I will never make it. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't, anyway. Um, yeah, no, that's it. You got yeah. it. Yeah. So let us get to some of the, um, uh, some of the games that we have at the very end. So as a new, as we transition to Pixar, we're going to add a couple things. Some things are going to change. Um, the first thing I want to do is go through some fan theories. Now, I'm going to read these. I have 10 crazy Toy Story fan theories. I have not read through Yay. It's <laughs> very call- homoerotic. That's me so calling homoerotic. one. That's me calling one of the fan theories. Not not, not just calling you gay. <laughs> but it, it was hard for me to uh, identify because you do do that to me. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm like, I oh, do, I'm like, hey, gay. <laughs> anytime I have any sort of gay behavior, you scream at the yeah. top of your life, gay, gay. Oh, hi, gay. I got. I went to yeah. uh, the last time we got hot dogs. I just just put just ketchup on it, and I learned that that's gay. As did everybody around me. Just ketchup on a hot dog, gay. I didn't, <laughs> guy. All right. So, uh, toy. So I don't know if these are going to be fan theories that are all of the movies. So if they are, we'll just keep bringing them back. Um, or if these are just going to be this first um, one. Mm. Um, fan theory number ten: the toys were never alive. <laughs> Okay. And this is the crazy thing about fan theories. It's always some Reddit user, which the minute it says that, I'm like, why are we even talking about this? (laughs) Why are we even doing this? Uh, Yeah. One Reddit theory proposed by Kingzilla2000. Oh, I love her. A noted thought leader, Kingzilla2000. (laughs) She has a PhD in film. Yeah, we love her. Tell us, give it to Uh, us straight. She brings up the idea that Toy Story could be more like the Lego movie and that the actions and stories are actually the imagination of their owners. I mean, who? Sure. Who's operating them at the gas station? <laughs> so wrong. We're actually gonna go through and say which ones are boo. just. The last time we did this, we would boo the ones that we did it like. So okay, boo, 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 yeah, boo, boo. Um, boring. Number nine. Andy's dad is dead. Hoy. Well, yeah, sure. yeah. So. Many, just confirmed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yay. And also yeah. that like leads to like that's why he likes these. I mean, of course, also just because we need to see white cis dudes in power um, yeah. for, it to, for it to be a children's film from the '90s. But but that like he wants this. He likes Woody because of the authority figure. Also, could explain why they are moving if they're you know getting yeah. out of that house. And I will say also with the moving thing, I wonder if the Sid Sid also feels classed. Like it feels yeah. like you know the poor unsupervised neighbor. Who like doesn't get new toys and so like has to make his own yeah. like Fun. thing new yeah. things. And so I think that like moving, like they could also be moving to a better neighborhood. So yeah. that's a different yeah. yeah. With the and insurance it, money from the dad's death. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then we yay on that. Sorry, Devin. No, Devin. <laughs> and I will say as somebody who grew up poor, you were not blowing up toys because you did not know when the next one was coming. It was like, So you wanted just to get rid of. I had a buzz light year thing. I had it until I was sixteen. And then I was like, I'm not going to throw it away. I know how expensive that was. And I was like, so he's oh. actually a rich, unsupervised kid. Or, or I he's... actually think they're very middle class. I think both families, Han, are like yeah. very like like focus group middle class. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Speaking of Sid, Sid becomes a garbage man to save the toys from being trashed. 
Most That's Toy- in the show. Isn't that in the movie? There's like a movie so. where he shows up as a garbage man. Most Toy Story fans have already known that Sid's cameo appearance at Toy Story 3 as a garbage man. Yeah. The mind-blowing theory is a uh, relation that he actually comes from a real-life garbage man on Reddit under the username... <laughs> wait. Wait. Wait, he comes from a real-life human? Wait. A mind-blowing theory in relation to this fact. Oh, I thought this was based on... <laughs> I thought they wrote a movie based off of a Reddit <laughs> user. Um, this theory comes from um, a Reddit user named London Garbage Man. The user mentioned that the big perk to their job was finding toys like this. So potentially oh. that's why it is written that he saves these toys. Well, I imagine he just became a garbage man and then <laughs> tie stuff to the front of the thing. Um, so boo. <laughs> uh, the first, so the first movie is a metaphor for Andy's mother remarrying. Mm-hmm. Very possible. We don't get uh, anything about her romantic life, though. Like, at no. all. Yeah. Boo. Um, I don't even think you see her face. Mm-mm. I think you No, because it would be too scary. <laughs> <laughs> it would be too Pixar, early Pixar animation. Uh, the toys are immortal. I guess that would make sense. I guess. Like, sentience. Like, you can't, even if they, like, had a tire roll over their face, they'd be fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, theory number five, Andy's dad was a cop. Checks okay. out. Um, sure. Uh, for Woody belonged to Andy's dad, which... Um, oh, because he's an older toy. And leads into the theory that Jesse, who we meet in the second movie, oh, don't belonged get me to Andy's mom. Oh, God. Which would make sense. This is going to kill Hannah if we get into Toy Story. I can't, do, I can't do it with Jesse's storyline. Let's not do it. Let's go to the next one, which is, I think, even more important. Mr. Potato Head is not a singular <laughs> entity. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head's anatomy has sprung up many questions of the theory. Of fans. His body parts all keep moving despite their detachment, and it appears that he can feel things uh, feel the parts even when they are long distances away. Reddit user Primetime22 theorized that Mr. Potato Head's <laughs> various parts can each have a mind of their own with mm. different personalities, and the mouth <laughs> is their leader. <laughs> <laughs> this person needs a different job. This person's talent is being wasted. Whoever a wrote different this job. Theory, <laughs> This per- a, yeah, no, he doesn't need to be on Reddit this much. <laughs> this person needs to take over the job of Kingzilla 2000. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, and number one is Sid's dad is an alcoholic, which is... Not, not a theory. It's, I think it's just pretty present. Yeah. I mean, also I was like, the deer head on the wall was very interesting to me. Um, not Just because I was like, some creative person somewhere was like, okay, how do we showcase that he's <laughs> struggling? <laughs> And a quick, I guess, beer cans, the light from the table. And hunting. And hunting. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so, great fan theories. Uh, a couple of Easter <laughs> eggs, because as we move into Pixar, um, Pixar is known for seeing other things in movies. However, this is the first one, so there's few Easter eggs. I just wanted, one, did either of you notice any Easter eggs as you were watching? Yes, I had a question. Is the, is the carpet in Sid's house the shining carpet? It absolutely is. Wait, that, the, okay. I need to. I need to log off. I don't belong here. I would never have picked that up. That's like you two finish out the episode. (laughs) And I I noticed it this time. I didn't notice it. I saw it on a thing. I don't even know what that means. Here, so it has the Kubrick movie has a very iconic set design hand, and like there's a scene where little the little Danny kid is riding his tricycle through the hallways of the the Kubrick Shining, and it is literally the same pattern on the carpet in Sid's house. Oh my god. 
How? Which I was like, wow. I just like my stomach just dropped. How it's bonkers. terrifying. I was like, it's bonkers. It? Yeah. Huh. I noticed a lot. Okay, I'm gonna be this person. I noticed a lot of like film nods this time. Like I knew about some of the Easter eggs between the Toy Stories, but this time watching it, I was like looking for like nods to other films, and there were so many. It was kind of obnoxious. Name them, prove it. Yeah, maybe maybe one or two. Well, like I mean, the I mean, I could. We don't have that much time, but like (laughs) we don't have enough time for all of the things I'm bringing to this. (laughs) Well, I have a couple other ones too. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, I will say that the a lot of the scenes with the like maimed and disfigured toys were very like freaks, like the movie Freaks. It Mm -hmm. was there was a lot of like references and lines that mirrored the movie Freaks, like One of Us and all that stuff. It's um yeah, because I know that the the creators love to do Easter eggs, which I guess they must have started in this movie. And then continue to do another one they had is we got to see and I don't know how much of this is an Easter egg but the like the Pixar ball that has become the logo Mm. it was taken from this movie Um, and then the only other one was that there is a Mickey Mouse in his clock um, in his room but I didn't notice those I I googled them oh wait Devin there was also at the end they're listening to Hakuna Matata on the radio in the car when um when the when the little sister sees the little the <laughs> baby sister who yeah. can't talk sees Buzz and Woody on the RC car and yeah. they're listening to Hakuna Matata on the radio, I noticed that one. And then there was oh, there was one more that was just like crazy. Oh oh, at the beginning in there, um, I pointed this out to Hannah when we were watching it together. But in Andy's room, um, there's a scene that where you oh, see yeah. his bookshelf, his mm-hmm. bookshelf behind them, and one of the books is called Tin Toy, which was Pixar's like first short. Um, called Tin yeah, Toy, which you can is, watch on YouTube. You should be listening to this podcast. You know, <laughs> as soon as you started talking, the only thing I could think of was that little girl animated looked so creepy. <laughs> she <laughs> did. She did. Thing. It was like she was toe up. Um, so Devin, can you imagine being Hope's younger sister? Can you just imagine? <laughs> I just want to take a moment. I want to make listeners just imagine what that feels like. My sister <laughs> over this weekend. My she sister did. over this weekend. Whenever we went home, she told me that my dad and I used to like shit on the stuff she watched because it was fucking stupid (laughs) and then she was like that made me very self-conscious for a long time and i was like oh well don't like so many stupid things it gave her you gave her good taste and she should be thanking you yeah Yeah, thank you for the good taste hope you're welcome if my sydney because i i love my sister and i know she would she would probably listen to these because she's so supportive um (laughs) one of the things i'd like to publicly apologize for is i used to make fun of her um the names she would give her imaginary friends (laughs) friends <laughs> because they were just names pulled from real tv and movie and then when she ran out of them she just started giving them numbers afterwards so she like no. <laughs> had a best friend named casper an imaginary friend casper and then casper too oh my and, god and then batman and batman too <laughs> she sounds fun she sounds she's, cool she's amazing and wonderful because you made her that way <laughs> because of the work i put in <laughs> the classic older sibling uh Oh. Sorry, sorry, it was so awful. We had—it's um, just the way the wor- the universe rolls. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, we have quickly. We like to ask how Disney is something. Now, uh, to your point earlier, Hope, these movies are—they're um, not technically like full Disney movies until Pixar is acquired later, and then even still, they're run by different creative teams. So we will probably remove and add some questions based on things that don't make sense. Um, or we are always looking to add more questions until this questionnaire is like 50 questions long. Um, so first question is, some, sometimes these have a direct answer, sometimes they're interpretive, and we can all have different answers. It's mm. more about 
just discussing them. Uh, one, who's the real hero of this story? Mm. Which I think are the toys in Sid's bedroom. Yeah. And that's I, who I would mm. say. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I have to. <laughs> Hope, has a, Hope has a different theory. I'm, you know, I'm going to go first. So I can really be humbled in front of my sister. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you. I think you're right because I think like they're the most empathetic. They're the most selfless. They're the ones who get them out of like they are the one who literally prevents the death of our protagonist or our co-protagonist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I'll say. Now, hope take it away. Okay, <laughs> let me say, heroes journey-wise, it's Woody. We get it. Yes, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. That's what okay. I was gonna say. I, yeah, I knew Duh. you were gonna say it. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go and say. I'm it. not what a fucking it? idiot. <laughs> Like you've always know, said. You've always said no, it. I've never called you an idiot no, no, you at haven't. least recently no, in adulthood. But um, <laughs> no, but I would say no, no, no. I agree with I agree with that analysis. I would say formally, formally, it's Woody. If we're gonna say yes. that, like the like the fucked up toys act heroically, that doesn't make them heroes. But yeah. like, yeah, they are heroic. Question: As somebody who knows screenwriting, mm. when does so what what would make Woody the hero as opposed to Buzz. I know that we are introduced to Woody first. Is it that simple or is it just, but what makes, I guess, Buzz a tertiary character to his hero story? Oh, <laughs> Hannah's Hannah has... got it. I guess Hannah's got it. I raised my hand for listeners. No, I want Hope to take it. It's fine. No, no, please. no, no. I would so much rather correct you. Go first. <laughs> okay. Generally, like generally speaking, Devin, like it's a, you know, it's Joseph Campbell. It's a hero cycle. It's a wheel. You can look it up, but like basically it follows all the beats of like the protagonist is introduced in a state of stasis, right? So we see Woody before Buzz Buzz comes in and disrupts everything. He's taken out of his comfort zone and has to go through a series of trials. And Buzz is the catalyst for taking him out of his comfort zone, but he's not really the one going through trials because Woody's the one who, you know, you think uh, he, he, like Mm -hmm. the other toys think he's a murderer. Basically everything bad that happens really happens to Woody or happens to Woody with Buzz. But, but, but then, then, and then the hero cycle, he has to be returned to the original place having been fundamentally changed. changed. And I, I mean, you could argue Buzz, but I, I'm not sure he goes through the full hero cycle. Him? Oh, (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, no, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) I also always see like on social media and stuff that like when people are trying to take a full like a full study of screenwriting and like boil it down they always reference Pixar is mm. in actual screenwriting uh, university is it referenced in Pixar is Pixar like a heavy hitter when it comes to uh, script analysts or analyzing scripts or anything yeah, for sure. There's like a handful of movies, I think. So I didn't go to like a great film program. I went to a medium film program, but I think across, I've talked to other people who went to different film programs and I also don't think it matters. I think they're kind of the same principles, but like there's a handful of movies that are easy, like easily accessible. And one of the reasons Pixar is so helpful in like a post a post nineties film student. Our mom went to film school in the seventies. So her models would have been a little different, (laughs) but is because like generally like stories that are accessible to children are also accessible to analyze. So Pixar is really helpful because it's not like the Godfather. I mean, no offense to Pixar. It's just like, they're aiming for an audience that can understand story and they're teaching you how to read story. So that's why they're giving you the building box to like fully flush it out. However you would like to do it. Yes. <clears throat> Makes sense. Mm. Question number two. Who has ha- who has um, hot dad energy? Mm. Met in this? And it can be energy, so it doesn't need to be gendered. It can truly who has hot dad energy. 
I will say I was profoundly disturbed by how attracted to Buzz Lightyear I was by watching this as an adult. And it is fully so because of, no, and, and I tweeted about this and Hannah already saw it, but like yeah. I, Tim Allen is a terrible Republican. I saw him do stand up at La- Laugh Factory a few years ago and it, and he's like a horrible person and he is giving such hot dad energy in this yeah. and in Galaxy Quest that I have mm-hmm. to almost forgive him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a Republican yeah. that they, they, they don't Every, support, but I can't actively two. hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hannah out I have two because of Kelsey Grammer, which is not fair. It's true, though. There was somebody I found out is a Republican. Oh, I can't remember who it is. I don't know. Robert Johnny. Robert Johnny Jr. Minor, minor, much worse. Every comedic hero that I have ever had or every person mm. I've ever looked up to has like come out in the wash as being absolutely awful to the point where I stop <laughs> checking and I just assume that yeah. everything I've ever liked is heinous. Yeah, um, like Vince Vaughn. I love Vince Vaughn. That was the one. That's, he's, that's a tough mm. one. He's, yeah, that's a tough one. He's so funny and charming. Mm. Um, I would fuck the dinosaur. And <laughs> I just yikes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yikes. I'm joking. Yeah. Mine, mine is the fine. Uh, the binoculars oh, yeah. that has no mouth but can still talk. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, or uh, Mr. Potato Head, because he can leave a limb with you whenever he yeah. goes. And I love that. Mm. Um, <laughs> so three, is there, is there an element of um, an absent parent or an orphan story with our main character, which or with a Indeed. character, which there is. Um, four, who's the narc? And this is once again about energy. Who has narc I think energy? The dinosaur. I would say... Mr. Potato Head. He's, but he's like curmudgeonly, but like has no, like, I, I don't, okay. Maybe the way I understand narkiness too would be like uh, stress around it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. Mr. Potato Head is like sort of just like pissed and not supportive and loyal, but I don't know the dinosaur. I feel, what's it, Rex? What do we call him? Rex. Rex? Yeah. Feels like he's trying to preserve like normalcy and anything yeah. outside of that is like freaking him out and he wants to interfere that but hope oh. you you have <laughs> i don't have any thoughts no i have no thoughts i like that i like that analysis i have okay. no thoughts perfect um next question this is a multi-layered question um who is the first question is who is the horse i, I don't know what that means Part of me wants to like not explain it, <laughs> but it's like in every Disney movie, there's a very clear character that is written that is a horse. It's a sidekick that doesn't need to talk, but has enough personality to get so, like in Aladdin, the magic carpet is the horse. Oh, so, so it's probably, yeah. One, is there a horse? We don't have a horse, right? There's no just explicit slinky horse. dog, yeah. the slinky dog. Then my would it, next question would, would be, it be the binoculars? Energy? Yeah, I would say. It could be different for everybody. It's truly a philosophical question. I would say that either um, the RC car mm. or Slinky Dog is it has horse energy. Slinky Dog. And also because when there is a horse, the next follow-up question is, but is the horse really just a dog? <laughs> so so where did this question come from? This is one that maybe you kind of developed? 
we um yeah, yeah we uh uh sometimes something will come up where we're like oh they, there's a horse in every one of these movies about the horse and then we'll sort of go but the horse behaves like a dog yeah right so i'm like oh so the horse is just a dog thank but you for tracking that for me <laughs> you know what i mean we just yes. watched hunchback of notre dame and esmeralda's goat is the horse but is also still a dog noted yes you know right I mean? right right i do uh, on that confu- mm. on that confusing note let me ask who, which of these characters could easily be played by Rosie O'Donnell? <laughs> mm, <laughs> great question. Incredible question. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'll start off while you think. I would vote Mr. Potato Head could easily be played by <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. And I don't think they need to swap the gender. I think Rosie can play Mr. Potato Head. Mm. Mm-hmm. If she's mm-hmm. comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the mom, I think the mom being voiced by Rosie O'Donnell would like she wouldn't have to change any of the lines and it would still be a completely different mom because that's like fun lesbian mom energy yeah. like mm-hmm. like from like um like when she plays what's her face old golly from harriet the spy or something one of the mm-hmm. best characters mm-hmm. in movie history yeah. right right i feel like you could just have that single mom be like yeah or even roberta in now and then mm-hmm. i mean no changes Han? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i think i would say those those are the two okay um, next question. We only Maybe have Woody. <laughs> honestly, Maybe Woody. So, honestly, Sid, make it Sid. <laughs> make it make Sid. It Sid's younger sister. Um, oh. uh, three more questions that we're going to ask. Um, one, and this we just added this on our last podcast. If the main character, or if these people weren't hot, would this story even happen? <laughs> Who's and hot I, in Toy Story? Buzz, Nobody, Buzz which is why No, I think Buzz Lightyear is. But he's, I guess a lot of it. No, he's supposed to be hot. I guess I'm going to tell it, you all right now. <laughs> I guess right, a lot he of definitely. it. Can you, hear, can you hear the inflatable mattress? I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, I'm really fine, sorry. Fine. I'll say it again. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> and yeah, I will say a, a big portion of this, uh, a big portion of the story is everybody being infatuated by how new, cool, and sexy. Charismatic. I get, maybe you're right. I was going to say Bo, no. Bo, Bo Peep is like maybe going to be like, you know, Woody, Woody is threatened by her attraction to him. I think he's hot. And I don't think it would work if he wasn't hot. And you know what? Now that you mention yeah. it, of all the toys in that room, they're the mo- they most resemble the stereotypical beauty standards. Like, oh, yeah. This isn't about the humanoid. dinosaur. It's a, like a <laughs> right. humanoid. Like, no, I yeah. wish it was. Um. Two or second and last question: If this were a live action recast and you could only keep one actor from the cartoon, mm. who would Hope. be your mainstay? Hope, do we want to start with you? <laughs> is it Tim Allen? I'm not. I'm not going to say Tim Allen. I'm actually going to say Tom Hanks because I do think that Woody is borderline unlikable, and I do think only Tom Hanks can t- can do that. I'm so sorry. I have to use the bathroom, and I know we're on the last question. I'm just going to mute you, and I'm going to listen. I love it. Well, then you should listen to this because. Um, they have already recast what's his uh, uh, buzz with Chris Evans. Are they doing so, it? They are doing it. Live they're action. doing a no. It's going to be Pretty animated, cool. but it's going to be like the movie that the Buzz Lightyear t- toy was based off of. Oh, okay. Which I'm like, that's oh. kind of interesting. Yeah. Chris Evans. Oh, I love Chris Evans. Chris Evans is wonderful. Mm-hmm. With the exception mm-hmm. of Scarlett Johansson, they really do find a lot of like crushworthy people on. Uh, in the Marvel universe, every time I watch you, something, I'm like, I get more. And more. With, with the exception of Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. Every time I'm on her side, <laughs> she comes out and she does something that's like, yeah, and you're not gonna get burned again. Ugh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she. Jo- what was it recently? Like, 
she there was something that I just oh Joss it Whedon. was yeah Joss Whedon she so Joss Whedon all these people are kind of like everybody who's ever worked with him is coming out and saying like he's pretty awful he doesn't from my understanding he doesn't do anything sexual but he does treat women like trash like, has fun making them cry in writing rooms and stuff like mm. horribly heinous stuff and then you give it a couple months and ScarJo <laughs> will come out and say maybe you shouldn't judge people you've never met and then everybody's oh. like we've met him we, we work with him that's why we're saying this <laughs> it's actually coming from us um this is that's fun because Joss Whedon was wrote helped the script of Toy Story which was fun and I didn't remember that or know that but I guess he came in to make Woody uh more likable and Buzz Lightyear less dumb which I think is a really uh, it's pretty effective balance that could have gone really poorly yeah it seems like so actually we love Joss Whedon so I'm just gonna say Joss Whedon (laughs) I will say Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite tv show yeah it's incredible and then it's one of those another my two favorite tv shows of all time were Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Roseanne no striking out Mm. every turn Mm. oh god i almost got a roseanne tattoo before we knew could you imagine thank goodness i can and actually i can imagine right (laughs) Right now hey audience right now i'm unbuttoning my shirt to reveal a roseanne just and it's not roseanne's name it's roseanne's face Face. (laughs) and it says forever yours Uh, last question um, and this is one that we're specifically adding for um, uh, a long lost stranger is FaceTiming me I'm sorry I'm caught off guard by that Uh, the last question that we're going to ask for Pixar specifically is that um, is this movie about one curmudgeon learning empathy which I think it is one singular one or any I guess is the is the takeaway that we learn empathy Um, Hope looks like she has a different opinion. No, no, no. I'm just, it's a, just a large question, Devin. Yeah. Well, let I me, mean, let me elaborate a little bit um, yeah. from my perspective, or like, my, I think. Yeah, that, define empathy if you don't mind. So I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, I do think that Woody learns to empathize and to, um, I think he learns to empathize with not just Buzz, but sort of everybody who is not within his position in this social circle. Like he Mm. starts to learn that it's not a threat to have somebody else that's around that is just as cool as you. Um, Mm. And also it is a threat. He is threat. But yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. (laughs) He also (laughs) learns empathy from the, um, the Frankenstein toys Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. has a very pivotal scene. So I do think on some elements it's about learning empathy. I don't think it's maybe as strong as some of the other, um, some of the other Pixar movies were. What if it's about counter theory? It's about learning your place. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and not stepping out of that place. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Because we will throw you from a movie. <laughs> the view. No, but I think it is about like delusion. Maybe it's about empathy, but I think the theme of delusion feels really like in all parts of it. It affects every character. It is in the structure. It is in the plot. It is like in even the fan theories that come out of it. Like it just feels steeped in that and I feel like he sort of yeah I mean like learns even when he's telling when Buddy is telling Buzz that like no your greater purpose is to be this boy's toy Mm -hmm. is like also him of course telling himself that that like it's not about being his only toy it's about being like something that brings him joy and if he doesn't bring this kid joy anymore then yeah he he is he has lost some purpose and like that Mm -hmm. is essentially sad it's terrible but also I feel like he's coming to terms with that a little bit yeah 100% but I guess it is about empathy. I feel like all kids' stories are like, you know, teaching that. Yeah. 
or all that's stories. Why I've only been wa- that's why I've been watching porno since I was a child. <laughs> I'm not learning empathy. I don't care what you uh-uh, put down uh-uh. my throat. <laughs> I refuse. I know my place. My place is Andy's favorite toy. Okay. It's so funny. I watch. I watch porn for the empathy. I, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I actually, I could see how you would feel that way. <laughs> It's actually, it's actually a very deep experience of that. <laughs> um, hope, how about you? Hope, yeah. I just, I guess I, okay, I, think, I think the question is difficult because I think good art to some degree is enigmatic and refuses simple analysis. And I think that the more simple a children's story, like I am one of a few people that did not like in and out I thought in and out or no, inside, inside out. out. Inside out, I thought it was didactic and pedantic and ridiculous. And I really thought that like, it was trying too hard to like give kids a message. And I do think that like children's media that does that is doing children a disservice because like having a story that a lot of things, you can take a lot of things from like a toy story where like not everyone's going to act in a good way. And like, people are going to make real mistakes that cause real harm and then learn from it teaches children more than like very simple morality plays, which is, I know being unfair to inside out, but like, I don't really like morality plays for children. And so I think there's a lens through which this is about empathy, but I think toy story might be good because it's about a lot of different things, not just empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To that point, you're correct. We When we started thinking about it, I was like, I guess there's a couple moments of empathy, but the story in its entirety is about more than that. Mm-hmm. So much more than that. Like, so, yeah. and, and again, that's just good art. Like most good art is, you can't yeah. reduce it to one thing. A million percent. Mm-hmm. Thank you both so much for being here and having this incredible discussion. So um, fun. Thank oh you. Thank you so much. Um, would you recommend this to an adult now, having rewatched yes. it as an adult? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Well, wonderful. I think I would too. Thank you both so much for being here. Um, We'll catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip. (laughs) Gay. That thing we say. Gay. (laughs) He just put a penis in his mouth. Gay. You guys didn't see this, but he literally did. Disney Adult is part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. That is the Trident network.com and also don't forget to follow disney adult on instagram at at disney.adult.podcast